The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Um, today, I wanted to uh, best start with uh, just basically a testimony of what uh, God is doing among us as uh, a church. So if you, if you would just do me a favor, I know she's very nervous to come up here, uh, but will you give a warm welcome to Heather Shepherds? Heather, come on up. Heather has uh, been part of LifePoint Church for uh, a couple of months, and uh, I kind of put her on the spot this week when I asked her to uh, just share a little bit about uh, her life. So, Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I'm not as good at this as this is, um, this wonderful man sitting next to me here, um, but I just wanted to say that um, he wanted me to say a few words, and um, I God puts people in your life for a reason, and in your path, and um, I can't thank two wonderful people, two wonderful friends sitting in front of me, Jamie and Kenny, for introducing me to LifePoint and all these wonderful people that um, make up LifePoint. Um, it's been a very tough year for me, and uh, I was in a very dark place, and uh, bringing Jesus into my heart has opened up so many opportunities of healing in my heart, and um, it's just healing in my heart. <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit about um, just where you've been and just maybe some of the brokenness that you've faced and um, just how the love of Christ has kind of just come in and, and helped you on that. He has. He's, um, I've kind of gave up and uh, opened my hands and... Uh, just uh, I'm letting him take over, and um, having him by my side and guiding me has it's just helped my healing and to soften my heart. I know that when when we've talked uh, in the past that there's been um, there's just been this emotional weight. I know from uh, maybe your family growing up and just uh, relationships and um, just brokenness uh, in that. And uh, just looking for, looking for hope. And uh, when, when you came in and you just kind of shared that, I guess basically all we try to do is just point you to Jesus and, and know that he's, he's the hope. So tell us about what kind of has uh, taken place in your heart from uh, maybe the last couple of months uh, in your life since you've, since you've been here at LifePoint. Um, before I, I came to LifePoint, um, I've kind of given up. I, w- I gave up, and um, I lost faith. And um, coming to LifePoint has really opened my eyes to I can't control the things I can't control. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I handed it over to him, and um, I'm at peace. I feel good. Good. And um, it's brought a different happiness in my life, a different outlook on what I deserve and who needs to be a part of my life. And um, not only for myself, but for my children. I know that um, for all of us, we kind of have a story, don't we? Like we all come <laughs> from these, these different ways of life. And, and God is in the redemption business. Amen? Uh, he wants to restore uh, brokenness in us. So um, thanks for sharing uh, that with us. Let's, let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you. Uh, for Heather, I thank you for bringing her into this body. I thank you for her testimony of, of your goodness. Uh, and so, Jesus, right now, I just pray that uh, if there's anyone here that, that is broken, that is, is, is thrown in the towel or just given up or just looking for hope, Jesus, I pray that, that through this testimony and through this story of redemption, Lord, that you can somehow put back together all that's been broken in us. Uh, and so, Jesus, right now, I pray for your word. I pray that your word would go forth and it would be stronger and sharper than any sword that can cut through any type of baggage that we have. And so today, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us and fill this place uh, so that we can see your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you guys give Heather a round of applause? Thanks, baby. Thank All right, if you've got your Bibles, let's grab them. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. 
If you don't have a Bible, will you just raise your hand on up? Uh, We've got some Bibles coming around for you. Uh, Everybody gets a Bible today because we're going to be kind of all over the place, Uh, but I hope that you can follow along. Uh, Some of you may notice something different about the stage. We have the trusty whiteboard today. I know that some of you are very excited. So Genesis chapter 1. Thanks for that. It's encouraging. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. When you're there, say, I'm there. That's easy. Page 1, right? Okay. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God... Now, I know this may be uh, tough for some of you, but uh, the, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Shocking, all right? Uh, the Bible was originally uh, written in Hebrew. So in the beginning, God would probably have looked something like this. God, in the beginning, God, and when we would see that, we would know that it's something uh, called Elohim. That's how we would translate it, Elohim. Everyone say Elohim. Elohim, Elohim this, is, this is plural. This is not just singular God, but this is plural God. So we're even from the beginning, this word Elohim, this God, it means multiple God. It's, it's, it's this idea that we have of three in oneness. It says, in the beginning... God, Elohim, created. Now, this word created uh, is bara. Everyone say bara. Come on, you can do better than that. Bara. All right. So in the beginning, Elohim, God, bara, created. So in the beginning, we see some sort of father or some sort of beginning, some sort of author, some sort of start, if you will, to the entire story that we would know as the gospel. So uh, God, Elohim, bara, creates. Look at what it says next. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and Darkness was over the face of the deep. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God. So now we see Elohim being Barah, the creator. We see God being spirit. So out of Elohim we have spirit. Are you tracking with me? God creates out of the darkness, and there is spirit. Keep going. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water, and God said. So now there's spoken word. Now we see that God says, and there is word. God Creator, God, Father, God, Barak, God, Spirit, God, Word, Elohim. In the beginning, God created out of the darkness. There's this word, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. John chapter 1, verse 1, says, in the beginning was the word. I think we got it up here. And the word was the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. So now this word we would know as Jesus in him, the beginning of God, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. So there's life. In him was life, and the light, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, Elohim, God, Father, God, Son, God, Spirit, in the beginning creates. And in him, in this creation, there's light out of the darkness. 
And out of the darkness comes this light and comes life and through this life is the light of men. And God continues to create. He continues to speak, continues to say. So in verse 4, he looks at all that he created and says, it's good. Verse 10, he looks at what he created and he says, it was good. In verse 18, he looks at what he created and said, it was good. Good, that's right, come on. Uh, He continues to create, and then in verse 21, he looks at what he created, and he said it was good. And then in verse 25, he looks back at what he created, and he looks at it, and he says it was good. And in verse 31, look at it with me, chapter 1, verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good. Very good. Very good. At the center of the gospel, at the center of us being a gospel-centered church, you and I have to understand that the Bible starts in Genesis 1 and 2, not chapter 3. Are you tracking with me? So the Bible starts with God, Elohim, this plurality of God creating, and there's life, and there's light out of this darkness, and he looks at everything that he made, and he says, it's all very, very good. You and I, we, we feel this, don't we? I mean, somewhere in here, we feel this, this peace that we're longing for. This, this peace that, that we so are hungry for. The, the Bible would call this peace shalom. It would be peace. And so in the beginning, God creates and there's peace. And so in chapter 2, God creates the man and he puts the man in the garden to work it. Now, popu- uh, contrary to popular belief, work was given by God, not by the devil. So you're like, oh, I got to go to work. Praise God. All right, yeah, baby. You got to go to work. So, so God creates Adam and he puts him in the garden. He says, work it, be fruitful. This is, this is good. This is peace. This is shalom. So there's relationship between man. There's a relationship between God. And God puts him in the middle of the garden. All right. And he says, look at all of this. See, all of this I'm giving you. All of this is yours. All of this I'm giving you, but except this one tree. Don't eat of this tree. I think God puts that tree right there in the middle to show how gracious he really is. I mean, God could have said, hey, you don't get any of this, but you just get the one tree. No, no, he said, you get all of this. Look how gracious I am. Look at how vast I am. Look at how good I am. So you get all of this. But, but this, this one thing, don't eat of this. Because if you do, you will surely what? Die. He says, don't eat of this. You'll surely die. Now, remember, he tells Adam that before the woman even is there. He says, Adam, don't eat of that. Right? But he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates the woman, and, and out of man comes this woman, and there is shalom. There's, there's peace in everything. So God creates the heavens and the earth. This is the earth. <laughs> huh? Okay. He, he, he creates all, these are the stars, and then there's, there's sun, and there's moon, and there's, and there's living, and there's water, and there's breath, and there's life. And he creates man and puts him in all of it and says, this is really very, very good. Okay, look in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 6. Now he creates Eve in verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, food, you know, the tree, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were what? Yeah, you can say it. 
naked. And why is that significant? It's because naked is, is this correlation with, with shame. So before, they didn't realize they were naked, but now, since they've taken of what God told them not to take, all of a sudden, this nakedness is equated with, with shame. So shame enters in. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew we were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. So now... Shame enters in, and there's this fracture that rings out through everything. Death enters the picture. We would say that the entire universe has been, has been broken. This relationship between, between us and God has been broken. The relationship between us and, and ourselves, it's been broken because of sin. Our, uh, us and, and the relationship between others. And then us and all of creation. It's all been broken. There's this, there's this fracture. There's this, there's this shame. We can't, we can't go to God. We hide from God because there's this shame. And we hide from one another. We cover up from one another because there's this shame and there's this brokenness. And now all of the things that was supposed to be good, all of this peace, all of this creation, it's broken. It's marred. It's, it's fractured. And so now... The question of the ages, the question that we've been asking since the beginning, is it always going to be like this? You ever ask yourself that? Is it, always, is it always going to be like this? Is this? Is this weight on my souls always going to be here on me? Is this fracture going to be there forever? Flip over. Colossians chapter 1. So let's try to answer the question. If you have one of our Bibles, the page number's up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. So now God, Elohim, is being made known. He's being made present through, through he, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I love the fact that he adds invisible things because we feel them. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything he might be preeminent. That word preeminent, it's just another way of saying in him he might be glorified. That's what we talked about last week. So that in everything he he might be preeminent. He might be ultimate. He might, he might be glorified. And so he's the pinnacle of all things. Look in verse 19. For in him, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all Thing. So, so, so here's what's happening. Jesus just doesn't simply create all things, hold all things together and say, hey, good luck, go get them. Right? He doesn't say, uh, good luck, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try and help you when I can, but really this is, this is on you. He, he says, he says, through me, I'm going to reconcile all things. So, so giant cosmic idea 
of everything that, that the universe has been fractured and marred and broken through sin, through our relationship with God, through our relationships with ourselves and others and creation, all the trees and all the birds, everything that feels this. He says, I'm putting it all back together. He says, all things. I'm putting it all back to all the ways that it's been broken. I'm putting it back together. This word, reconcile. Big word. Apocatolasso. Two S's? Like that. Try it. Apocatolasso. Huh? You throw that in tomorrow, right? You're at work. Yeah, hey, we're doing a little apocato taco. <laughs> Dorito taco. What? No, no, this word reconcile, it, it means, it means to, to bring peace where there is no peace. So, so if you remember that God creates and he says, it's good, there's this peace. And through our sin, through our fracturing, everything has gone wrong. And now there is peace where there is no peace. It's almost like there's, there's light back in the darkness. It, it, this, this word, it means to bring into a relationship that which is broken. It's, it's to put back together to bring peace. So, so the question is, okay, how does that work? Okay, how is there, how is there life? How is there light in the darkness? How is, there, how is there peace over my shame? How is there peace over my relationship with God? How does this whole thing work? Well, let's keep going. It says, and through him, through Jesus Christ, this is verse 20, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. So at the center of everything that we know and everything that's going to be, that through the cross, there's light out of the darkness. He's making peace where there is no peace through the blood shed on the cross. The, the cross, it must be central to all that we know because it is bigger than, than any of us understands. It's deeper than your deepest hurt. It's taller than your, than your deepest want. It's, it's greater. It's wider. It's more magnificent than anything we could ever know or imagine. And through the blood on the cross, he's reconciling all things back to himself. Okay. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. And... You, and you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. Okay, so huge idea. God wants to reconcile or bring peace where there is no peace out of everything. But the same thing that God wants to do in all of creation, he wants to do inside of each one of you. God wants to reconcile that brokenness that sits right here in your life. So God, through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, wants to bring peace where there's no peace in your hearts. You could 
simply make a list. It's, it's your fears. It's your failures. It's your past. It's your worries. Anybody worried? It's those, it's those addictions. It's those, it's those things that keep you up at night that you just stress over. What ways is there no peace right here? Because the Bible says that in the cross of Jesus Christ, he wants to put you and me back together. He wants to bring peace to you. Jesus wants to bring peace. Now look at when this happens. Look in verse 21 again. And you, we got that, were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And he has, what's the word? Now. Okay, so follow me. Not someday. Not someday when you finally clean yourself up. Not someday when you finally get your act together. Not someday when you start giving or going to church regularly. Listen to me. God does not love some future version of you. We've got to get that. If we're going to be gospel-centered as people, if this gospel is going to penetrate every part of our life, it's not some other me that he's reconciling. It's me right here, right now. And listen, here's the truth, is all of your sins, all of your sins were future sins when Jesus died on the cross. Are you with that? Every one of them, from the first time you lied to the first time you cheated, the first time you stole that deal, the first time that you thought differently or more highly of yourself than you ought, that time that you should have done this and you went the other way, the time that you ran from God, all of it was future sins when Jesus went to the cross. And the Bible says that through the cross of Christ, he's putting it all back together. He doesn't love just some future you. The Bible says is that while we were sinners, he died, he gave, and he loved. While we were. And so this big idea that God wants to bring peace where there's no peace, the same thing that he wants to do in everything he wants to do inside of each one of us. Let me show you just a couple examples and maybe we can connect. Flip over Genesis 27. Genesis 27, there's a story of a man named Isaac. He's got a couple boys. And Isaac is getting old. And the Bible would say that his eyes are growing dim, which means he's blind. Okay? And so in this time, what they would do is the father would pass on a blessing to typically the oldest son. So, so what happens is it's time because Isaac is, is getting blind and it's time to pass on the blessing. And he calls to one of his sons, he calls to Esau and he says, hey Esau, I want you to go and I want you to hunt. And I want you to kill something and bring it back so that we can have a feast. And when we have the feast, I'll give you a blessing. Esau is like, Great, no problem, I'm out. So he goes out and he starts hunting in the fields trying to find this feast. Are you with me? But mama comes in and says, Jacob, I think you can get the blessing. How many of you know that the, that the, that the baby boy is always mama's favorite? <laughs> Amen, yeah. The youngest, I didn't get that. Mama comes in and says, hey, I think you can get the blessing. I, I, think, I, think, I think you can get this blessing. 
And, and Jacob's like, okay, what, what do I need? She's like, hey, go outside, get a couple of goats, bring them into me, and I'll cook them and I'll prepare them. And you'll go in and you'll pretend that you're brother. You'll, you'll pretend that you're him. And, and, and Jacob's only argument at this point, check this out. His only argument is, yeah, but mom, brother's really hairy. Right? I mean, he's, he's really hairy. There's no way he's going to fall for this because bro is hairy and I'm, and I'm not. And so, and, and so mama says, you know what we can do? We can take the fur and put it on your skin. Let me, side note. If you can be deceived by putting fur on your skin, it's time to get some nair or something. It's time to clean that, clean that up. All right? Just, just Esau, just clean that up. I don't know what's going on. All right? Machete that, something. All right? But she says, she says go get the goats. I'm going to cook them up. I'm going I'm to put. And, and so what does he do? He goes and he, and, he, and he finds this out. Now pick it up in verse 18. 27. Verse 18, so he went to his father. My father, he said, here I am. Who are you? Look what he says. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. Your firstborn. I've done what you've told me. Now stand up and eat the game that your soul may bless me. And so what's Jacob doing? He's lying. He's pretending. He's deceiving. He's pretending that he's his brother. Skip down. Look in verse 24. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. I am. And he said, bring it near to me that I may eat in my, my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought the wine and he drank. So, so here's what's happening. Is, is when we first meet Jacob in the scriptures, he's lying He's deceiving. He's pretending that he's somebody else. Are you tracking with that? He's saying, I'm not, I'm not near to close to where I need to be. I need to be like this. I need to get some type of blessing. So I'm going to pretend. I'm going to lie. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to get this thing that I want. Now, if you follow Jacob over the next couple chapters, he's got some questionable practices. He's lying. He's deceiving. Skip over Genesis 32. Genesis 32. Great, great story. The heading above 22 says Jacob wrestles with God. So Jacob, he's wrestling with who he is. He, he starts to wrestle with God. Look at what it says in verse 26. So he's wrestling with God all night. Uh, uh, God just kind of knocks his hip out of place, right? And he's hurt. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. And so if you imagine this, they're wrestling. Got, got the headlock. They're wrestling all night. He's like, let me go. The day, the day is broken. It's daybreak. Let, let me go. For the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Verse 27. And then this God that he's wrestling with, he said to him, What is your name? How's the reply? I'm, I'm Jacob. <sighs> finally, right? Like, like finally, now, now we can get some stuff done. Now, now you're finally understanding who you are. It takes, it takes wrestling with God 
all night to finally figure out I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm not Esau. I'm not this guy over here. I'm not that girl. I'm not this person. I'm, I'm me. I'm Jacob. He finally gets his name right. See, Jacob struggles with who he is as a brother. He struggles with who he is as a husband. He struggles with who he is as a leader. He struggles with who he is in the family. He struggles with who God made him to be. And finally, God breaks him down to such a way and says, what is your name? What ways are you pretending to be somebody else? What ways are you trying to live up to some sort of expectation or some sort of thing? What ways are you trying to be somebody you're not? What ways are you trying to earn God's blessing? What things are you pretending? What masks are you wearing? What facade are you giving off? Because when we ask each other, how are you doing? I'm fine. Because everybody else is fine. I'm just trying to be fine. I'm just trying to be somebody else. God doesn't love some future version of you, nor does he love some other version of you. Are you with that? He says, what is your name? Like, let me give you an example. Have you ever asked the question, how come I'm not as, as good as that guy is? Huh? How come, how come I'm not more like him? How come I didn't get that blessing? How come I didn't inherit that money? How come I didn't grow up in that family? How come I don't look like her? How come I didn't get that body? How come, how come I've got this? How come I'm, I struggle? How come I can't do it like they do it? How come they got the blessing and I didn't? Have you ever, ever wrestled with that in your heart? And so what we do is we spend our lives trying to pretend and trying to be and trying to perform and trying to wear the mask and pretend that we're somebody else all the days of our lives. And God... He wants to bring peace where there is no peace. And for a lot of you, it's going to start with the question, what's your name? Who did God make you to be? Who are you? Because only when we wrestle with God, will that peace begin to permeate and we can stop trying to be somebody else. And when God asks, what is your name? I'm Eric. And I'm tired of pretending, wishing I was somebody else. And through the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross, he can begin to bring peace where there is no peace. In order to be gospel-centered, we must allow this truth to penetrate who we are. Who are you? What is your name? Because God didn't make you like me. He didn't make you like him or didn't make you like her. He made you just like you. He wants to restore that. Okay, flip over Ephesians 4. It's going to be tough for some of you. I believe that. Ephesians 4, start in verse 25. He's talking about the new life that comes in Christ. He says this, he says, therefore, as you put on your new self, the oldest passed away, the newest come, put on your new self. Therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Do we ever exaggerate? I never do that. I mean, do you ever like, like, like tell almost like the truth, but it's, it's a little bit pumped up, like, like it makes you look a little better than you really are. Like I just, I just wanted to tell you the truth, but I wanted to exaggerate. Listen, at the core of that exaggeration, at the core of you trying to look better than you really are is this idea that you're trying to be someone else. You're not at home in your own skin. You're just like, I want to receive some sort of blessing. And so, so at, the, at the core of this, he says, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. When the gospel penetrates every part of our soul, we don't feel like we have to lie. I'm guilty. It says, For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor in doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, and that you may give grace to those who hear, built into this passage is the idea that we've been hurt. Anybody ever been hurt? Liars. Yeah, yeah, we, we've, we've been hurt. Probably some of the deepest wounds are the ones that are closest to you. Amen? The friends, the families, the, the times that that, that thing happened built into this passage is that sin has affected us. Other people's sin has, has gotten us, maybe stabbed us in the back, maybe hit us from the blind side. I don't know what it is, but, but every one of us has been hurt. Here's the deal. The passage is not saying that if you give grace, by somehow by giving grace, you let them off the hook. It's not what it's saying. It's not saying if you show grace somehow in you doing that, that somehow what you're saying is what they did to you is okay. That's not what it's saying. Some of you, you think that if I show them grace, if I show them some sort of mercy, if I forgive in my heart that person who lied to me, who deceived me, who, who hurt me, if I somehow give them grace, that somehow I'm letting them off the hook. Hmm? But the truth is, is, is they're not on the hook. You are. And so in order to have the gospel penetrate, we need healing from our past and our wounds and the times that others have hurt us. We need the gospel to seek deep into the cracks. I believe that if you don't allow the truth of the gospel but to penetrate your heart in this way, you will become angry, bitter people. It says, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness... And wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all kinds of malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgave you. It's possible to have something that has hurt you when you were 7, 8, 9, 10, 16. And then 10, 15, 20, 30 years later have it still sit on you and weigh on you and make you angry, bitter, hostile people. It's possible to have something that has hurt you in the past to carry that and that not allow you to have peace where the cross of Christ wants to cover that peace. What are you carrying? What do you need to forgive? What do you need to let go? What do you... Heather said, 
I open my hands to that. What do you need to open your hand to to allow peace where there is no peace? What do you need to forgive? All right, one more. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Some of you are carrying baggage from your past. Christ wants to redeem that. So three in, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, then the eyes of both were opened and they were naked. They felt shame and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. Look in verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So they're hiding. They're hiding from God. Some of you are here today. You're just, you're hiding from God because you have shame. You feel like you need to clean up or you need to sew something together in order for you to go to God. Listen, God knows what's going on. It says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid Because I was naked and I hid myself. And then he said, who told you you were naked? Good point. There's no mirror around here. He says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, what? The woman. Now we could just stop right there. Right? I mean, we could just start with God said, God said, have you done this? And the man, he says, it was, it was the woman. It was, it was, it was her fault. She, she's the one who gave me, look, let's, let's keep going. Look at what it says. He says, the woman you gave to be with me, God. Like, so not only does he blame her, but he blames God. How many of you are still blaming somebody else? How many of you are still blaming God for this, this lack of blessing? He says, it was the woman you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. So from the beginning, he blames He blames the woman. He blames God. So there is a brokenness between us and God, between us and ourselves, between us and our spouses, our kids, our relationships. Blame is as old as the world. It goes back to before clothing. Right? And so... He blames, blames. He just, he just blames. Maybe you're here and you've been hurt in church. Maybe you've uh, walked away from the whole religious sect because, because you've been hurt in church or you've been hurt by someone who, who said they were in church or maybe you've been hurt by a relationship. Maybe you've blamed God for that. Maybe, maybe you've been broken down. Maybe you've been beat. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you've been molested. The fact of the matter is, is in a room this size, there's probably several of us Maybe you come from a line of abuse or neglect, emotional. Maybe you're here and you would just say, the gospel, the cross of Christ. I mean, that's nice, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't, you don't know where I've been. You know, the gospel, I hear you talking, Eric, but, and that's really good news. You know, peace where there's no peace. I mean, that's, that's really happy to me, but really, you don't know what I've been through. Let me just be honest with you. You're right. I don't. I don't. I can't imagine what some of you have been through. But let me ask you, how long are you going to blame? 
how long are you going to blame someone else for what happened to you and forsake the peace, the shalom that Jesus wants to bring through the cross? Blames as old as the world. And so some of you are here today and you feel broken right here because of something that happened to you and you're just, you're just blaming. Colossians 1.21 says he makes us holy and blameless in his sight. Matthew 7, it says... Wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path, and few will find it. Narrow is the path to life, and few will find it. Here's the deal, is I know that it is going to take some heart work to allow the gospel to penetrate even the deepest cracks, the deepest wounds, all our fears and our failures and our past and all the ways that we need to forgive and the way that he's asking us, what is your name? And there's so many things that carry us, that we weigh us down. And for the sake of the gospel, there's a narrow path to life. And few will find it. Some of you, you look at these questions, you're just like, oh, what's for lunch? But some of you, some of you, the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart and saying, you need to forgive that. You need to let that go. You need to find peace. Jesus brought peace through his blood and through his body. There was a vast understanding of mine over the last 10 years being in church. That the gospel is, is just simply that you believe in Jesus and you go to heaven. That's how it works. All right? And so the goal then is to get other people to believe in Jesus so that we can all go to heaven together someday. Wouldn't that be great? Right? And, and yeah, so, but, but the super fired up Christians now, they're the ones who can best explain turn or burn, baby. Right? I mean, I, I grew up in this idea that says, okay, it, we just need to believe in Jesus and then go to heaven, and that's how it works, and that's, that's what it's all about. And, 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 and the problem with that is, is, is that if the gospel is just simply about getting out of here and going to the next place, then something gets missed, namely this life. Amen? Because I don't think the goal of the cross was ever, let's just get out of here and let's get the fire insurance so that we can go somewhere else. It's not the, 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 the train ticket to paradise. The fact of the matter is, is that through the gospel, through the blood of Christ on the cross, paying the price that we deserve to pay, raising the life, he gives us life and he says, I'm reconciling all things Everything, everything that's broken inside of you back to myself so that you can experience this relationship with me. You can experience this relationship through the cross and the light shines out of the darkness. There is life in that here, now, and today. The gospel is bigger than fire insurance or some type of ticket out of here. And so in order to be gospel-centered, we have to allow it to penetrate every part of us. What is it that God wants to heal? What is it that God wants to restore? What is it that the gospel needs to penetrate in your life? I know that it's possible to be a Christian, to say all the right things, go to church, sing all the right songs, in the end, be miserable. No joy. No life. No healing. You just carry it. Jesus wants to bring peace where there is no peace. Colossians 1, 5, and 6 is the last verse I'm going to show you. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of truth, 
the gospel, the good news. Jesus wants to reconcile all things to himself, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. So this gospel, this good news has come to you today. It's come to the whole world. It, what is it? The gospel, the good news. It's come through the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard and understood the grace of God, the truth in Christ. And so the gospel is not stagnant. It's moving. It's bearing fruit among you from the day that you heard till now, till if you've been a Christian for 10, 15 days, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, it's constantly sinking and bringing peace where there is no peace. Who do you need to forgive? What is your name? What do you need to let go? What areas do you need the gospel to bring peace? Let's pray. Jesus, today, I would just simply confess that there are many inadequacies in me. There's days that I cease to have peace. There's ways that I'm still hurt by things that my family had done to me or things that I'm still holding on to. So Jesus, today is the church. I would ask that you would come in and that through the cross, through your broken body and your blood that was shed, that through the cross you bring peace where there's no peace. Jesus, that you are reconciling me to you. You're reconciling me to others. You're reconciling me to myself. Oh, God. I ask that you would renew this heart of mine. I ask that at the center of the cross, at the center of this gospel, at the center of this church, is healing and restoration. I pray if we're going to be a people, a city on a hill that can't be hidden, that you must bring joy back into our lives. You must heal that which is broken for all the things that we're chasing other than you, for all the ways that we pretend that we're somebody else rather than who you made us. For the sins, for the weight. Jesus, I ask in the name that is above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, reconcile my heart to you. Will you make that your prayer? If you're here today and you've got this thing that that you just that you just hold in your hand that seems to be heavier than anything you've ever known. Maybe there's this thing, this callus on your heart that seems to be hindering you. There's this thing that you just need to let go. Right now, will you just in your own voice, in your own way, ask God to, to bring peace? Because the answer to the question is, it's not always going to be like this. There can be healing. There can be hope. Jesus today will you lift our hands will you open your hands up today will you lift your hands and say God I need you I need you to heal me I need you to rest I need you to bring peace I need you to change me 
from the inside out. Oh God, I, I pray that you would renew my life again. May the prayer of a gospel-centered church be continually safe. Jesus, save me. Stumble lucky, and I'm caught.